follow Jesus. <laughs> to follow Jesus. Oh, did I get you? Any Beastie Boys fans in here? No. All right, mostly good Christians, I guess. You gotta fight for your right to follow Jesus. Uh, we've been doing kind of a a series, I guess you could call, but it's really been textual. We've just been looking at the book of 1 Timothy. So if you've been with us, uh, you know that, but 1 Timothy is pretty easy because it's only six chapters, right? And so what we've been doing is we've been doing a, uh, a chapter a day or a week, basically, each Sunday. And so we've been going through chapter one all the way to chapter six, and I hate to break it to you, today we're making it to chapter six, and it's the last chapter. It's the last chapter of the book of 1 Timothy. So we've looked at chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And where we kind of kicked it all off is Paul is writing this letter to kind of his apprentice, his protege, but most importantly, his fellow partner in ministry, Timothy. That's why this letter is called 1 Timothy. It's the first letter to Timothy, and he is hanging out in Ephesus. Paul is writing him this letter as a brother in Christ. And so in the first chapter that we read, we see that Paul is telling Timothy that there is something wrong in the church there. He's saying there are some people who are missing the whole point about why they are there. They're missing the whole point of teaching. Instead of worrying about what they should be worrying about, they're going on and on about pointless genealogies, on and on about things that don't matter. And so basically, if we were to sum up chapter 1 in 1 Timothy here, Paul is talking about you got to focus on Jesus. The gospel message is what you got to preach. You can't be caught up in everything. Chapter 2, Paul encourages Timothy, after that, to encourage everybody to pray. This is where we can kind of see that this letter is not just for Timothy, but it's for everybody in the church, right? Paul tells the church to pray for all people. And he even kind of gives an especially for right there, especially for those people in leadership positions, those who are governing over us and leading us. Those are the people we don't like to pray for. We like to pray about them, not for them, right? So he encourages them to pray for all people. And then in the second half of chapter 2, Paul tells Timothy and the church how they can praise God. And he gives a little order for what the church might look like. That order continues into chapter 3. Because if you remember chapter 3, I gave it kind of two sections, and I think Paul did too. He talks about leaders, and he talks about servants. Those leaders he talks about, we, we talk about as well in church. Those are who we would call shepherds or elders. And he talks about what those shepherds and those leaders should look like. It's a good call. It's a call for those to be leaders, right? But not everybody should be a leader. There also has to be the other side of that, those of us who are servants, right? And so he gives the description of a servant as well. You might hear the term deacon. So we have elder, deacon, some churchy words, but really we're talking about leaders and servants. He gives some of the description of what those people would look like as well, but the challenge is for us to all find a place to either be a leader or a servant. That's who God wants us to be. In your path, that's where he wants you to go. And then chapter 4, Larry recapped it last week at the beginning of his sermon, but Paul kind of gives the reminder to Timothy that there will be some people who will leave. There will be the departed from the faith. 
Those who will walk away, who will choose to leave this faith, they will be there. But Timothy and the rest of you Christians, the challenge is not to ever be those departed, but rather to be the ones who are devoted. And so Paul kind of gives the opposite side of that. Don't be one who leaves, but be one who is devoted to the faith. The departed and the devoted. And then I wasn't here last week because we were having a blast. Maybe that's the word you'd use, but try not to pull our hair out at a youth rally, right? Yeah. Kevin's like, I wonder why. Uh, no, we had a blast. So Larry gave the lesson last week on 1 Timothy chapter 5. And uh, just kind of simply put, Larry's lesson was talking about how we can be servants of God, right? How we can take care of the widows. You know, kind of the mentorship chapter uh, to Timothy from Paul. How you can take care of these people. Again, right after servants, it kind of makes a whole lot of sense. So that brings us to chapter 6 today. And chapter 6 is all about how you got to fight. You got to fight for your right to follow Jesus. And we really love this verse. Our, our opening scripture this morning was in 1 Timothy, and it was 1 Timothy 6, 12. Because we love the word fight, right? And so 1 Timothy 6.12 says, you got to fight the good fight. That's the new, new revised Herald version right there. But that's what it says, right? It says, you have to fight the good fight of the faith. You've got to fight the good fight. And while I was looking over this chapter for today and looking over some notes, and I kind of realized this is kind of all people talk about in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you go look out for sermons, or maybe like, like I do, I look for like sermon material. So I, I'm looking around. And people always love 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. It's kind of the place they hang out. And it's in the middle of chapter 6. But I think that's for a good reason that people love 1 Timothy 6, 12 so much. Because I would say it is a summary of what this entire chapter is about. But it's not a summary in the way you might think. Because you got to fight the good fight might look a little differently than you imagine fighting. Fighting the good fight might look just a little bit differently than the fights that we're used to. Is anybody brave enough to admit that they like to fight? I think human nature is kind of a feisty fighting nature, right? We, we see it in our culture a lot. Now, you know, past 15 years, we've been blessed with uh, communication that is unheard of. And so now, you don't even have to get out of your chair to fight. You can just type it in the comments, right? Yeah, the comments are full of fights, right? We're, we're a feisty people. Human nature, we like to dwell on the fight. And then you add the all-powerful Americans on top of us, and we're going to win, right? We like to fight. We like to fight. But here's the thing. When we look at it from a context like Paul is writing to Timothy, maybe we think about being Christians in the church. When we talk about fighting, we might not be fighting for the same reasons that we think. We might not be fighting to win the way we think we ought to win. So just think about that while we read this entire chapter together. Or read the whole chapter but it's all about you got to fight the good fight. But what does that really look like? 
Well, let's start at the beginning. The beginning of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Think about how we're fighting as you read this, because it might blow your mind. 1 Timothy chapter 6, this is the first two verses. Just a small bite to begin with, right? Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and false teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. So Paul's writing to Timothy. You can tell this is a personal note to Timothy here, right? Teach these things. But if this entire chapter is about fighting, why does, why does Paul start out his chapter about fighting with being a slave? This term bondservant, we don't really use it very much today, but you could interchange it with the idea of being a slave, right? Even a servant, if you want to go that far. Kind of a bondservant would be what we would call an indentured servant, the one that is committed. So anyone who's a slave, what are you to do? Well, you're to regard your masters as worthy of all honor. Do you think that's what slaves want to hear? I don't get paid. I have to be here. I'm a slave. Thank you so much, master. You're so honorable. That's not what they want to hear, right? But why might you want to honor them? Well, it's so they can see God in you, right? So that the teaching of God may not be reviled, basically, so it won't be ruined. So God won't be ruined through your actions. There's a little title there I forgot to take out, but those who have believing masters, the same thing. Need to honor them, but even more so because they are believing. They're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So don't be respect or disrespectful to them because they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because they benefit from your good work, and they're a brother in Christ. All right, all of this in verses 1 and 2 is talking about being a slave and being a good slave. But it doesn't sound like fighting to me. You know, I'm pretty good at fighting. Maybe not a fist fight, maybe not a boxing match, but you hurt my feelings and I'm pretty good at hurting the back, right? I'm human. But this doesn't sound like that. This sounds like submission instead of fighting. And I think that's all because this entire chapter is about how you got to fight, but the little piece we always miss is the good fight of the faith or for the faith. You've got to fight the good fight. I don't think we understand what a good fight is. Because as Paul is writing Timothy about a good fight, he says the very first thing you should do if you're a slave Honor and respect your master. If your master is a brother or sister in Christ, even more so, because your service is good for the kingdom of God, right? So fighting the good fight looks like being a slave? Doesn't sound like a fight at all, but it's a good fight. So you might read these first two verses like I did. You might read them in your Bible and think, hey, that's totally fine. I'm not a slave. We had a thing called the Civil War. Took care of most of that in America. 
I don't have to be a slave anymore. But is that really true? I asked the kids at the youth rally. We read in Colossians chapter 3 about how you can be self-controlled and a good servant of God. And parents, keep this one. You know, children, honor your father and mother. Oh, that's a beautiful verse there in Colossians chapter 3, right? The next one it says, slaves, serve your masters. It's like, wow, we're not slaves though, Harold. I think we are. If you're a child in this room, who, who's a child? Who's graduated from being a child? Bryce is like, I'm still a child. Everybody's a children at some point. Is that how you say that? I don't know. You're a child. Do you feel like a slave, Peyton? Yeah, me too. I felt like a slave as a kid. Absolutely. Feed the dogs, take out the trash, clean the room, clean it again because you just put it all under the bed. All of that. I just felt like a slave. See, if you're a kid, you're kind of a slave. You're an indebted servant to your parents. It's actually not wrong, right? That's kind of rightfully so. They're here to raise you up, and while you're being raised up, you are a servant. What about anybody? Anybody in here a grown-up? Nobody raised their hand like, I'm not going to admit that. Renee's a grown-up. She's like halfway committed. Everybody else is not a kid nor a grown-up. Okay. If you're a grown-up, you probably have to do this pesky thing called work. Sometimes, at least, right? (laughs) Or you're retired. You got to do this pesky thing called work. And I'll tell you what, when you work someplace, you also kind of feel like a slave, don't you? It's almost like you're an indebted servant. Ah, Jordan's a slave, too. He's not a big enough boss. You kind of feel like a slave, right? So let me challenge you, if you're a kid or you're a grown-up, you're a slave. What about if you're just a child of God? I think you're kind of a slave as well. Why? Because we're all servants to Christ. I don't think we ever get out of the slave category, even though we're free from our bondage. We're not literally slaves. I still think we have the same challenge here, right? To fight the good fight is to give honor and glory to our masters. It might be your parents. It might be your your employer. But I think most of all, it's going to be your God, right? So especially, it still applies to us. um, if, If your master is a fellow believer, you're serving him and God at the same time. Pretty crazy to think of. So that's what fighting the good fight looks like. And it starts to look like not a fight at all starts to look like being a slave. But what's the rest of this chapter have to say? I only covered two verses. Let's keep reading. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and let's go ahead and read 3 through 10. I didn't put it all up there. It's quite a bit, so if you got your Bible, follow along with me. 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 10. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound word of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit, and he understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of truth. 
imagining that godliness might be a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and we have clothing, with these we are content. But those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Probably heard that one before. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Fight the good fight. Be a slave. Fight the good fight. Don't be arrogant. Did you catch some of the things that he's kind of calling people out for here? He said, there's some people, and he doesn't say the word preach, but you hear it, don't you? Who are, who are giving the gospel message, but they're getting so caught up in themselves and gain and power and pride that they're missing the whole point. It's kind of like chapter one where he started, isn't it? He says, they are giving this message for earthly gain, for selfish gain. So fight the good fight. You're actually a slave and you don't have a lot to be arrogant about, right? Basically, they're self-absorbed, looking at the gospel message as something that can kind of get them some credit, right? Thank goodness this doesn't happen to churches anymore. You could probably think of a preacher. He probably has a TV show or something, right? You've got somebody that's your favorite. He's got the private jet because everybody needs a private jet. We still get caught up in this sometimes, don't we? Our pride and our earthly gain starts to become the focus of what we're talking about. But what Paul is telling Timothy is, you got to focus on the gospel message. You can't be focusing on, on your pride, on your power, on your own earthly gain, because it's a trap. He calls it a trap, right? He says, godliness is what you're after. But it's not just godliness for gain. It's godliness with contentment. That gives you real gain. He talked about what real gain looks like, and just like fighting the good fight doesn't look like a fight at all, gain doesn't look like gain at all. He says, if you're fed and you're clothed, you got it all. You can be content, right? Well, that doesn't look like fighting. See, there's kind of two aspects to fights when I think about it, especially professionally. We have a thing called professional fighting. That's a weird thing, isn't it? But we have it in, we have it in lots of different flavors. Uh, I went to school with a kid who uh, got pretty big in the MMA scene, and we had like octagon fights, and that was kind of cool and stuff. But here's the thing. When you fight, you usually want to win, professionally speaking. If you're in a boxing ring, an MMA fight, you know, Whatever you're doing, even if you're playing arcade games with somebody and you're fighting in Tekken, you want to win. That's kind of the goal. So far, Paul has said, you don't want to win if you fight the good fight. You want to be a slave. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. But now he's also saying the other factor. And I, I think this is true about professional fighting. You want to win, but you also want to win the prize. 
You know, you look at boxing, you look at MMA, there's always a purse is what they call it, right? That's how much they're going to take if they win. They're going to take the purse home. And it's a lot of money. You want to win to take the money home, the gain, the prize. So Paul says, actually, the good fight, you don't win like you feel like you should, and you don't take home a prize like you feel like you should. You're actually a slave who's content instead of a winner with gain. The good fight looks a lot different than we would call a fight. The good fight looks so much different than we call a fight. Here's the thing, those departed people he talked about two chapters ago, he's referring back to them and saying, those who have departed probably got consumed by these things. They became too self-devoted after their own gain. They became masters instead of slaves, and they started fighting instead of fighting the good fight. The word fight has been so flipped around in our mind. Fighting doesn't always have to be based on winning a prize, but instead it can be on ultimately glorifying God. That's fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight. So contentment is a big part of this too. Contentment is a big part of this. So instead of seeking your gain and your worldly power and winning the prize, instead glorifying God, focusing back on that gospel message. That's the underlying theme. Everything Paul's talking about is all about, you got to talk about Jesus. got to talk about Jesus. All right, there's a couple more verses right here at the end. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Um, these ones are the ones that we always talk about. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, and fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is as far as we're going to go today. I said we read the whole chapter, but this is as far as we're going to go. The very end of the chapter is kind of Paul hitting the points of everything he's talked about. But we come here to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we have the core. The core of what it's all about and the part that people always quote, fight the good fight of the faith, right? So Paul has been flipping this idea of what a fight actually looks like. And here he's going to focus Timothy and the church in on, instead of being a master and instead of having pride and gain, what should you do? Well, he gives them a list, doesn't he? Instead of doing those things, flee these things. Flee what you would consider a normal fight. And instead pursue, which means chase after, righteousness. Righteousness is living like God, right? Godliness, thinking like God, right? Faith, trusting in God. Love, loving like Christ. Steadfastness, not being the departed, instead being committed. Gentleness. Taking care of people. Fight the good fight of faith. I almost kind of had to laugh when I read 11 before I read 12. Because I would never put the word steadfast, loving, gentle, and fight all in the same thought. 
In my thought, a fight is never, ever gentle. It's a fight. In my thoughts, um, a fight is never, ever loving. In my thoughts, a fight is never actually righteous. You might be right, but you're not righteous, right? And to put all of those things in the same category as a fight just kind of made me laugh because here's the thing. This is the good fight. This is not the normal fight that we would try and take with anybody. This is fighting the good fight of the faith. And it looks like righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. It's a backwards fight. It's a good fight. So like I said, the last few verses of 1 Timothy 6 here, Paul is recapping everything he's talked about in the last five and a half chapters. But they're all linked together, right? Focus on Jesus Christ and share the gospel message. Watch out for those false teachers. Pray for people. Praise God and, and put this together in a way that makes sense. Be a leader. Be a servant. And then finally, you got to fight. But not the way that you're used to. You got to fight the good fight a fight that glorifies God over everything else, where you don't necessarily win, but rather you're a slave whose gain is contentment. You've got to fight the good fight. Pretty powerful stuff. It really kind of confuses me because it's backwards of the word fight. So remember it. Maybe you'll just remember the opening song, but it still works. If you just remember the Beastie Boys, just remember you've got to fight for your right to follow Jesus, because that's really what we got to do, and it's fighting the good fight. So that's the end of the book of First Timothy. Where will we go next? I guess I have a week to figure it out. But if you, thank you, Kevin, if you feel like you've been fighting, but you haven't been fighting the good fight, uh, yeah, welcome to the, to the fight we've all been fighting, right? If you feel like you've been struggling through this world, uh, yeah, us too. That's why we got to focus on fighting the good fight. So if you feel like you're kind of hopeless on that, find somebody around you. you got brothers and sisters who are trying to fight the good fight instead of just fighting. And we're trying. We'll walk with you. We'll do it with you. So find somebody as we sing this last song, Jordan.